shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it, move the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it to the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it, move the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it to the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it, move the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it to the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it, move the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it to the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it, move the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it to the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it, move the gram, quit, shake it, move, gram, quit, shake it to the gram, quit,
Hello there, Latin America and the world. I hope everyone is doing all right. Um, How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I had a tough day today. Tough day today. Tough day today. Not in the large, major, major ways. Small ways. But in the small, small raging nine-year-old way. That was hard for you. To have it was hard. Angry nine-year-old. To be yelled house. at by my nine-year-old. You just got to play Stardew Valley with her. That's how I get through. Well, and then... You guys play Stardew Valley? I don't know if you guys know Stardew Valley, but my daughter is really into Stardew Valley. Never played a video game before in her life. This is her first video game. first ever video game. I'm delighted. And she really loves it so much. I find myself honestly a little bored sometimes because she talks about it so much that it's hard for me to pay attention. It's really yeah. hard. I guess I have to start you playing. You start playing with us. So that then I can it's pay attention. It's the only thing that's getting me through. Because, yeah. It's the only thing that's getting me through because I find coronavirus to be very mentally challenging. I find not just the isolation, which is its own level of mental challenge, just being in a house with you and Simone. Not that you're not both dreamy. Uh, I'm sorry, say that again? <laughs> I said not that you're not both dreamy. Right, right, right. <laughs> it just is challenging it's to challenging. have very little input. It's you know? very challenging. Um, it, it, even though I'm an introvert, mm-hmm. you know, I mean. You know, we're a house full tough. of grumpy introverts at the moment. It's tough. Yeah. But also I find coronavirus itself to be a very um, challenging, uh, to produce challenging information. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's and very stressful. It's very stressful. There's like the health stuff that's scary and whether it will affect you and your family and your friends. The politics. Like, well, even the broader health care where you're like right. reading about horrible deaths of others and that you don't know, but that like. So I was, I did, I was talking to my mom today who uh, I was like telling her, I was like, man, I feel like I've been like real stressed, you know? And my mom was like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's stressful, right? She's like, sometimes I like will re- hear a story on TV and I'll just start crying. Yeah. Right? Which I guess I'm glad I don't have a TV. Yeah. Because maybe oh, I'll just I'm be like, crying. I feel like I'm Terry McTierson these days where I'm like, want to like, I feel like I get like watery over like, yeah. Yeah, it's intense. It's, it's intense. It's a lot. It's and a then, lot. And then, yeah, and then there's so, the economic part, which is big. And then, massive political part which is big and all of it it's just big and scary and so we're going to talk about cool cool good idea we're going to talk about it a little bit Um, good idea and i know that we're all reading too much about it probably maybe not i don't know what your methods of coping are i find that i don't know if you guys what news sources you read i read a lot of the Financial Times and a lot of our news deep dive is going to come from the Financial Times. But the Washington Post has a special tab that's coronavirus, <laughs> which yeah. I just find myself being like, I'm going to read. I don't read the Washington Post right now. I just read whatever it says in the coronavirus I tab. I don't ever click a coronavirus tab. 
See, I, I avoid I, it. I know you've been probably doing better than me at the avoidance. I don't think it's better or worse. It just, it just is. is. It just it's, is. In any case, I've been clicking the coronavirus I tab. I, I'm a sensitive guy. I can't. I, I cannot expose myself to that. While I feel sort of sensitive, I also feel like I can't stop looking. I like want to look at those maps every day. Mm. I'm sort of obsessed with looking at the maps of the spread of the death of the yeah. Those like dots. Calibrated depending on whether you want to look at per hundred thousand or yeah. Yeah. I no. can't explain why. I'm not sure it's healthy, but like I definitely am looking at those maps on the daily. I feel like I'm in avoidance mode. Yeah. You know? I yeah. feel like I'm in avoidance mode. Well So this is gonna be highly <laughs> cathartic for me. <laughs> Maybe traumatic. Well, so the, the thing only that, way out is through. The, th- the thing that I'll do. I learned that's a Robert Frost quote really? recently. I didn't know that. I don't know if that's true. It might be Someone a lie. Said I, that. Anyway. We won't look it up. Um, you can look it up. Listen. We got. I, I'm not going to say. Is that. anyone listening? It's going to start talking about some wedding presents we got, but I, I'm going to stop myself. Anyway, um, so what we're podcasting today um, for you guys is a little bit on the coronavirus's effects in Latin America. Which, while a lot of stuff about COVID is in the news, I think you have to dig a little deeper to actually read about what's happening in certain places, right? So you probably are seeing, you've seen news about China, you've seen news about Italy, and you've certainly seen news about the United States, but... Do you know about those bodies in the street in Ecuador? Do you know about those bodies in the street in Ecuador? Um, And so I wanted us to think about that. And because, of course, this is so important in the world right now, I have remade our next OAS negotiation to sort of reflect that, to to sort of reflect this current moment. Do you think they know that Bolsonaro is like... This isn't real, and then Amla's like social distancing, na 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 na. Well, we're going like, to talk about Ortega that. is like, there's no virus. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, so first, oh. I want we're going to talk about that. I, I was, I'm going to already go out of order from what I was going to talk about, but I want to say that. All right, so I don't know if you know this, Joel, but what I so you know my students have been doing this OAS simulation. Yes. They, they represent a country and they've been sort of Yeah, what was the simulation country. scenario? So again. the scenario that I gave them that we did right before everything went to hell in the handbasket was <laughs> Joel's now hiding behind our the ficus tree that used to be in his office. But we rescued... I'm hiding from having to talk about coronavirus news. We rescued right before... Actually, right Maybe. after you guys left campus... Yeah, I we went back on the last day. It was possible. Open, I think, yeah. Should have took a, taken more books. Rescue. Yeah, we didn't take enough books. We did rescue books. How our am plants. How I going to prepare next semester's classes? Yeah, I know. All of us. Well, we're going to order some new desk copies. Anyway, um, so we the OAS simulation that they did before, I had imagined that um, President Añez of Bolivia had just indefinitely postponed elections. And guess what? And I made that up the part right, 
But that's really happened. Guess what? She did. Um, so one of the things in the Brookings report that I sent you that I hope Avo you... was too corrupt, or he was too, right. She deposed Avo. Correct. Right. So for not for. So he kept running. Right. He kind of was violating constitutional things, and then mm-hmm. the OAS said that there was fraud in the election, but maybe the OAS spoke too soon, mm-hmm. and maybe the elections weren't really as problematic. But we won't just have them because it's too dangerous. Yeah. Or, so so. Um, or is she one of those that's like, we'll pray the coronavirus away? She just postponed presidential elections indefinitely. A controversial move after I should say what many consider a coup against leftist President Evo Morales yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, because you can't have elections during coronavirus, dog. Yeah. I mean. So, you know, so my scenario just came true. I just hope that everyone noted that in the Brookings report that uh, I uh, made that up. And now a mere month later, that is, in fact, come well done. Come true. Well done. Uh, in Chile, there was also a constitutional referendum that was also just postponed after mass protests, um, thanks to Corona. The one that I've really enjoyed following is this stuff about gendered social distancing. I don't know if you all know about this, but that uh, in their fight against coronavirus, a handful of places in Latin America have taken a radical step to encourage social distancing. They're separating men from women. Uh, Panama, Peru, and the Colombian capital, Bogota, have all experimented with letting men and women out on different days to buy essential goods like food and medicine. The aim is to limit the number of people on the streets at any one time during the coronavirus lockdown. It worked in in Panama, but in Peru, women were the only ones shopping, and so it was insanely crowded. That's funny. Isn't that amazing? So in a certain regard, we could think about this as potentially smart, right? So I know that this class, Latin America and the world, we haven't talked too much about the internal uh, state politics, but we're talking about a lot of states that may have a low capacity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're talking about a lot of states where citizens maybe don't trust the police and the military. Um, right. So being stopped and asked for, say, your identification to make right. sure your some identification ends in an even number or whatever would be problematic. And so some governments thought that this sort of gendered breakdown was going to be the way to go. Of course, there was some of the problems that you might imagine around sort of discrimination against transgendered people that came up sure. um, where these sure. uh, members of these communities tend to be harassed by police anyway. And so what would happen during this like gender yes. segregation? Yeah. So there was concern definitely amongst activists that that would be a problem. Um, how much it was in, in practice, I, I haven't read any sort of reports, mm-hmm. but there was concerns over that. Initially, but my favorite part of this was that so it works in Panama. Panama is a weird place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Panama City is very modern in a. What did they say? It's what? like um, it's what did a they first say? world first city. First world city built on third, third world, world foundations. foundations. I mean, I know that's a little passe way, but that was someone told yeah. us that in Panama. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it came up very fast. It's. Got a lot of casinos. Um, anyway, so they implemented Panama and it works, right? It has a lot of casinos. Oh, right. It does have a yeah, lot of casinos. We were just casinos. down the road from the Hard Rock Casino. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's right. I knew not a lot, but I, you know, that big one anyway. Um, 
So it works there. <laughs> and then in Peru, where the gender, but it's more cosmopolitan. It's very cosmopolitan. It's very, cosmopolitan. very international. Right? So, like, people from all over, there's a lot, huge multinationals in Lots Panama. Lots of professional City. class. Like, yeah, very, I in mean, the city. like, very kind of like. I, I don't know. In the rest of Central America, there's not such like an exercise culture in the same way of like people yeah, like there are always people exercising. Yeah, they that had this funny. like beautiful public like bike path, and like people were all like riding bikes and exercising and whatever. And I just was trying to imagine if like in Honduras, I mean, just didn't that kind of thing didn't didn't exist. Anyway, um, so. Works well in Panama. Works well in Panama, right? The, like, men and women are sharing their responsibilities, and then they do it in Peru, and, like, none of the men will go grocery shopping. So, like, the women's days are just, like, insane because women are doing all of the right. shopping. And so – and then they were, like, in this article that I – this particular article there, you could read many things about this. Um, they were like, well, I guess maybe we should have given the women more days. <laughs> like – Right. Right. I mean, it's a it's an interesting scenario because I feel like we've we've already talked about this a little bit that on the one hand, all of the problems that people identify with this from from transgender issues to uh, machista issues, not that those are terribly different right but well, like here's another one so the women that have to go out in some of these countries on the because they're like uh what do we call it essential workers so nurses or whatever or like then being harassed by men on the streets right. and are just like right. terrified because there's like hardly any women out and so right. it's like where they might have had previously felt more safe because there was more right. women now they're like this is like a hellscape where it's like nothing but yeah. dudes and like the nurses walking and around. Piropos, <laughs> like, right. Yeah, I mean, highly aggressive piropos. Yeah, who knows? Or just or not? But like or you're none, just terrified just because you're like this is all like dudes, and I'm and, afraid. And it's like in some of these places that are low capacity states. It's right. it's like well, what. Like what to do? Right. right? How I mean, do I, you, how I do feel you? for these leaders in this in these particular instances. Yeah, I mean, I think like, some. I don't think that these were malevolent. I think people were trying to do the best they could to prevent spread, and you know, I, I don't think this was. But it can be problematic in in a number of ways. In Syracuse, in our county, they've the county exec has recommended that you do it on odd and even birth years not renewing that though i don't know if you heard this he's oh not, no he's it's not out. renewing that well because i'm sure no one is doing it and there's no they're not enforcing it really it was voluntary in the first place yeah and now he just a scrap just it. said you know do whatever well stay home still right but but like we're lifting this you know so right. don't even didn't, try to remember this probably didn't work <laughs> yeah I'm it wasn't it was crazy at Walmart when I was there today. I don't need to get into why I was at Walmart. It was a big, giant fiasco. Y'all, Walmart in Syracuse, New York is... Popping off. There was also a COVID testing site there, so I think it made Popping it. off. I've never felt like I was in a war zone. Yeah. So one of the sad uh, articles that I sadly had to then ex- also explain to my nine-year-old because it was up on my screen when she came in and looked at the pictures of all those empty graves dug um, in that. Oh, and she was having a tough day. <laughs> Cheers. Um, was called Latin American grave diggers fear virus death toll higher than admitted. 
Um, yeah, I yeah. would guess. You I would, would guess, guess that's true everywhere. It is certainly true everywhere. But in particular, this article in the Financial Times was about Brazil and Mexico, as you opened with mm-hmm. these sort of COVID deniers. Um, populist leaders, in some cases, oh. in common with uh, Trump. DJT. Um, so not all, again, this is, remember, oh, we. this is my other class, but populism isn't right or left, right? So Trump, Bolsonaro are populist right-wing leaders. AMLO, Ortega, populist left-wing leaders. So it's populism can cross ideological boundaries. Um, but in... Brazil and Mexico, especially both very large countries, mm-hmm. um, a lot of inequality. Mm-hmm. Um, both presidents have been big coronavirus deniers. Oh, how's um, that working out for them? Well, lots of people in their ministries that are actually highly educated and professionalized, right? So mm. you have these states are not fully. So if we're thinking about these like very low capacity states, that is not fully true in Mexico and Brazil. Right. There are much more mm-hmm. competent actors in, in the bureaucracies. There are much wealthier states. Um, so what does the Mexican Fauci say? It says this is bullshit, these numbers. Yo. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in both cases, you have from both educated elites and some of these people like grave diggers, right, that are like saying that this isn't happening is garbage. I'm digging a lot of graves, dog. I'm digging a lot of graves, dog. Um, yikes. yikes. Yeah. So yeah, healthcare workers, you know, academics, people in ministries, uh, and so what's happening there? Is it having any, I mean, what's happened? I mean, they're talking to the financial times about it, the grave diggers or, (laughs) well, I guess the financial times was talking to grave diggers. I could read you the opening of this story. Tell me, please, about (laughs) those graves you dug. I mean, the picture was a little gruesome. Of course, our kid was, like, fascinated. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you can't really walk away once she's looking at it. You just sort of have to explain it, you know. You know. Grave diggers. I would have just powered up Stardew Valley. <laughs> so I gotta get it. I'd be like, wait, sorry, this is just my farm. I was just looking at farming. Grave diggers, health workers, and researchers in Latin America's two biggest countries, Brazil and Mexico, tell a different story to the official numbers. As of Sunday, Mexico had 8,261 confirmed cases and 686 deaths. But Hugo Lopez Gatel, the health undersecretary who is the country's coronavirus czar, has admitted that the true infection level is at least eight times higher because for every positive coronavirus case, probably another doesn't go undetected. But that estimate, 55,951, appears to be based on data from two weeks ago, suggesting the true figure is higher still. Uh, you've had similar kinds of things said in Brazil. Um, and Mexico he's, City is so dense too. What at Mexico City? Yeah, yeah. I mean, same in Brazil also has some right, extraordinarily dense cities, right? I believe it. Uh, you have some of the dynamics that we're seeing here of like tensions between state governors and president. Right. Both Mexico and Brazil Great are federal. Chance for some elite politics. Indeed, indeed. So you have some problems there, some problems again with these ministries that are professionalized and these populist presidents that are not wanting professionalized uh, authority. Direct line to the people. They do. Um, 
And you get some fun stuff like health authorities in Mexico have denied a cover up, but um, Mexico City alone has reported more patients intubated for COVID than the federal mm-hmm. government says are intubated in the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a little nice uh, staff for you. Um, yeah. And like a lot of people in Mexico are just saying that whatever you read, multiply it by eight. Jesus. So, so that's some. Uh, here's that's something. Here's one that I really liked. Uh, I sent this one to you. A couple of weeks ago, I think, about drug gangs in Brazil's favelas enforced coronavirus lockdown. I right? sent this one to my students. Oh, you I did. believe, yeah. Yeah, this one is really interesting the way that you've got, you know, uh, I mean, I know this is uh, a, a kind of interpretation that you push in multiple courses, right? But this idea that some of these <clears throat> groups that are, um, stigmatized by states and stigmatized in a kind of general global outlook, right? Uh, Hamas and drug gangs and stuff like that are actually providing us that they are in competition with the state. They are. Well, I mean, they're providing in many moments an assortment of services that states provide. Should provide. Right. States all. Uh, one might expect states to provide that in their case, the states are often not providing. Right. Right. Yeah. And it is not just um, Brazil. When I was reading about the news, um, there are also cases of this happening in El Salvador um, in El Salvador mm-hmm. also where in this class, we didn't talk. Well, yeah, we did. We talked about the gangs in El Salvador. So El Salvador, I think has gone the last several days with zero murders. El Salvador? Um, yeah. The whole country. I believe that was Zero the stat murders. I read. So that you have, Holy like, the shit. gangs are enforcing wow. lockdowns. They're not, like, you wow. know. Uh, so there's all kinds of interesting stuff that is happening in this moment where um, gangs are seeing their states as incompetent and just sort of taking over. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Enforcing curfews. I mean, huge amounts of stuff. Hmm. Hmm. You got another drug one over there? That no, you... I was just There's reading. There's another drug one. I like that also the the, favela, the drug gangs are, they're, they communicate via WhatsApp. Well, a lot of things happen Obvi- on WhatsApp. I mean, obviously. I just like that. I like that. Yeah, do you want to read them the line? The messages first appeared via WhatsApp. <laughs> Stay home or else. It was a stark warning to the residents of Brazil's densely populated slums but not one delivered by federal government, health officials, or even state police. With President uh, Bolsonaro's dismissing the pandemic as sniffles and criticizing regional lockdown measures, the country's drug gangs and paramilitary groups have stepped up in to enforce social distancing to combat the spread of coronavirus. I love it. It's pretty crazy, right? It's wild. It's totally wild. I mean, it's it's tricky. I mean, if we think about the density of New York City and what's been happening there, and I know I have students there that are living this in this moment, um, but these favelas are even more densely, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, if we're thinking about right. just the dense human life, yeah, yeah. Um, we're talking about as this moves into other parts of the globe that there are places where there are even greater human density and, in fact, where sanitation is lacking, right? People right. may not have running water all the time. Right. This sort of invectives to, like, wash your hands. Like, yeah, awesome. Like, 
If I had a sink. If I had fucking, well, yeah, I may have I mean, a, sink, a sink, but there's but... no water coming out of it. So, you know, there's, you know, there's going to be issues as, as, and the, the states themselves are not doing much to uh, deal with some of those issues. There's another. There's another article that I on drugs about cartels are scrambling. Yeah, this is some fun. Virus snarls global drug trade. I hadn't really thought about how people get drugs with social distancing now. Yeah, I mean it's fascinating the whole stuff. I mean, since we've been thinking about, you know, we read the Narconomics and we talked about Mm -hmm. that, and Mm -hmm. and so looking at some of these pieces, I also sent one of these. To I don't know if it's this one I quote from uh, to the students, but uh, thinking about this as an economic activity and thinking about the way economic activity has crashed in, I mean, in every legal industry, yeah. too, or many legal industries, too. Uh, this is another way in which it's crashed in the Ill- illegal economy, which I think is really quite interesting because it has affected both supply and demand. This is side. wild, man. Coronavirus is dealing. This is an Associated Press report. Coronavirus is dealing a gut punch to the illegal drug trade, paralyzing economies, closing borders, and severing supply chains in China that traffickers rely on for the chemicals to make such profitable drugs as methamphetamine and fentanyl. One of the main suppliers that shut down is in Wuhan, the epicenter of the global outbreak. Isn't that crazy? They're facing a supply problem and a demand problem, said Alejandro Hope, or Ope, a security analyst and former official with CSEN, the Mexican intelligence agency. Once you get them to the market, who are you going to sell to? Virtually every illicit drug has been impacted with supply chain disruptions at both the wholesale and retail level. Traffickers are stockpiling narcotics and cash along the border, and the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, but uh, even reports a decrease in money laundering and online drug sales on the so-called dark web. Yeah, like, that's wild, right? I I mean, mean, it's like every part, right? So everything from like, okay, people buy drugs at nightclubs, and now no one's at nightclubs. And so no one's, I don't know, doing cocaine at a club, right? Like, so that all of a sudden this one market for drugs, right, right, which was like people partying at clubs is gone. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's closed. And you can't get the... You meth- can't get your precursor chemicals, right? All of a sudden, as right. we read about earlier, right, that those yeah. markets are extraordinarily globalized, right? right? And they're in Wuhan. And including some that are in Wuhan, right? But, you know, when we if we think back to the OAS report, right, there was parts of some of those precursors right. that were coming from all over, but now everything... Right. Global it's commerce is shut down. Shut it's down. hard out there for a junkie. Hard out there for and a cartel leader maybe too, you know. For everyone. For everyone. Then, you know, some of this stuff, I mean, we haven't talked too much about this, but a lot of drugs actually across the border in like legal trans. So like it's like hidden on trucks that have legal goods. Right. So as you close down and s- sort of slow down mm-hmm. legal goods crossing the border, that means that you can't have hidden like whatever right. your however much you your false know, floor in the yeah right um, is also not there right? right and so that you have this sort of problem that a lot of that transport that is actually passing through kind of under you know pseudo legal 
mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. if there's not all this traffic going through, it's going to be much more difficult to get your product also through. So that was fascinating. So we see all these things. Mm-hmm. So then some of these articles, if you guys are interested in this, because this is what our OAS thing is partly about, going in this sort of dive into some of this, is that it's also then affecting, okay, so we know that these global criminal orgs are diversified, right? But other things are also impacted, right? So human smuggling also Mm -hmm. impacted, right? Mm -hmm. Again, as borders become tighter and more challenging, things like human smuggling also becomes more challenging. Okay, what about things like the sort of extortion and whatnot that's happening with gangs. Okay, well, now no one is out to mug or rob, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So you just can't do it. Businesses are closed. So all sorts, I mean, the, so all the revenues. Who are you going to like pull money off the top? Including in, so one of the ways that this organized crime works in Mexico and it works in other places in Latin America too is all these like counterfeit goods and they all come from China. And so right. the biggest kind of counterfeit goods and markets. No one's going anywhere, so you can't sequestro express. You can't. Yeah, all of this yeah. stuff is done because everyone's at home. So like, oh my god, there's none of this illegal economy stuff is happening either. And then like, okay, so the biggest market in Mexico, you know, is called Tepito, right? So Tepito. I forgot that's what it was called. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. remember Tepito. It's Tepito. Like, nobody has any shit because it's, like, all comes from China. And so nobody's mm-hmm. traveling back and forth to get their goods. And they would pay drug cartels as, like, mm-hmm. a protection racket. Mm-hmm. And now they're refusing to pay because they're, like... Right. They can't pay rent. We don't have that anything. That was rent in Tepito, right? Right. So, I mean, it's, like, a kind of a huge... All the kind of ancillary markets have also been affected. It's just like all commerce has stopped. All commerce has stopped. Who do you mug? Who do you extort? Who do you kidnap? Like, everyone's at home. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting aspect to, to think about, right? Because so in the U.S., for example... Right, with all of these bailout funds, uh-huh. you know, like a drug cartel like can't can get bailout funds. Right, right, right. right? Yeah, yeah. Like well, you can't apply for a paycheck I mean, protection program. But you loan. could if you had a shell business or whatever. Right, you could. It's it's possible. I mean, some of these guys have small the big the big fish. The yeah, big but fish. So, I mean, have. it's just more consolidation and centralization right. of even in the illegal markets. Yeah, probably. And one thinks, I mean, I guess I think that there's a sort of ceiling to centralization and size. And maybe there's not, I right? But one would expect that there would have to be, right? Because well, you have to have local operatives. But if everybody's struggling, it's not like, I mean. Hard out there for a junkie and. A street level seller. Uh, what do you call and, those people, right? Uh, a capo? No, that's, that's no, like a the mafia top. thing. No, it's like a street level kind of yeah. distributor. You got one? Um. All right. So let's see what I've got over here. Uh, I have two different things. One goes on with what we were talking about. These go back. This one goes back to a little bit of what we were talking about earlier um, with Brazil. Um, but I, I pulled this one special just because of the kind of Latin America in the world aspect mm-hmm. of the class mm-hmm. is that, um, Bolsonaro has been really, 
um, going with the anti-China um, okay. kind of vibe. How's that working out for him? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'll just read some of this because okay. it's a little bit amusing. And then I'll talk a little more about what the actual kind of fallout is. So since last month, the Chinese embassy has been waging a social media war with Mr. Bolsonaro after some of his closest aides, including his influential son, Eduardo Bolsonaro, publicly blamed China for the global spread of coronavirus. The Chinese embassy in Brazil. So his son tweets too? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. The Chinese, oh my God. the Chinese embassy in Brasilia countered swiftly, saying that your words are extremely irresponsible and sound familiar in reference to similar assertions about the virus's origin made by U.S. President Donald Trump, a close ally of the Bolsonaro administration. It added that Eduardo Bolsonaro may have caught a, quote, mental virus that is infecting Brazil-China relations. While he and his wait, wait, but wait, it's not done yet. He may have caught a mental virus that is infecting Brazil-China relations while he and his father were visiting Mr. Trump in Florida last month. Oh my month. God! Can you believe it? Wait, this, this is what our world has come to. So, where did that? Where was that statement issued? Uh, the Chinese ambassador said that out loud or on Twitter. I don't know. It doesn't say in the Financial Times. Just as he said it. Oh, my God. But, like, it may have actual severe trade repercussions. Yeah. So, like, China still is producing a lot of the, like, PPE. I mean, may eventually be part of the vaccine development. And, like, yeah. they're pissed. And, like, uh, I mean, according to the Financial Times, right? Right. That this could, like, severely impact. Conservative paper in the UK, by the way. Yeah, right. I, I've probably talked about this. So, it's okay. not. It's a, yeah, paper oriented towards it's like very focused on it's for london stockbrokers yeah economics and you know whatever it's fascinating it's i love reading it it's my favorite paper um but anyway they uh yeah so they were definitely thought it's because you're a conservative that <laughs> yeah you know it um that it was a major blunder of uh great proportions for the potential of Brazil to not just like their economy broadly, but like also to weather the coronavirus because like they were basically, it was like clear that they thought that China, that China, Brazil would need China's help. So anyway, oh my God. but I really oh like the idea of the Chinese calling it a mental virus that oh they caught from, uh, from Trump. I mean, some crazy times we're living in. We are living in insane times. I mean, crazy I'm not times. even 40 years old. <laughs> I'm not even 40 years old. And I have witnessed some fucking insanity. Yeah. Oh, my God. Latin America's left. You hate the left. <laughs> Latin America. <laughs> left <laughs> spots. <laughs> Comeback oh, opportunity goodness. coronavirus fallout. Uh, I, I, I have not been following, I've not been following this. This is the financial times. Most of my things came from the financial <clears throat> times. Yeah. And uh, for, for just usually the financial times has a pretty strict paywall, but the, their coronavirus coverage is also free. It's a really good paper. Um, so any the of these things that we've talked about, like I said, I don't think we've been doing a great job of saying what articles they were, but, um. I can put up some links in the uh, when I post the podcast if people are interested, um, or at least titles. I, I mean, I guess head. this follows what you're saying that like these 
some of these right-wing populists especially are going to look pretty bad. Well, I don't think that's actually what that article was saying. Uh, I I haven't skimmed it yet. Okay. Do you want to read some of it? Just read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, so Rafael Correa, All right, so former Ecuador's president of left-wing Ecuador, former president, said the government had scrambled to pay its foreign debt while the bodies of coronavirus victims lay uncollected in the streets of the country's largest city. Look at the contradiction. The government has paid foreign debt, which means losing lives because our hospitals don't have equipment, and they have stopped paying salaries. And they make us believe that it has to be like that, that salaries can wait, but not capital. Mr. Correa was speaking with other regional socialist leaders at an online event last week, launching a drive to have the sovereign debt owed by Latin American countries to the IMF and multilateral organizations written off. I mean, why you wouldn't just write off debt at this point is oh my God. complete insanity. Isn't it? But I mean, so this is, I mean, I think, so in terms of handling the crisis, if we're looking at the region. Yeah, okay. And thinking ideology. So, okay, we can say the populists doing bad. Right, mm-hmm, the populists mm-hmm. across the political spectrum looking bad. How are our globalists looking? Not doing so great. In terms of, um, I mean, I guess we have a lot of center right right now. A lot of the left is out in Latin America in, at the moment. Um, but you've seen, you know, plenty of these like center right governments that are handling this well. You know, that, that, so mm-hmm. so you have these kind of more. It's not just an ideological thing, right? But I think in terms of thinking about how this is going to shift um, perceptions and elections and whatever, I think that it is true that in terms of thinking about the left as critical of this foreign Mm -hmm. debt, right, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. things like the IMF, that as countries, and we see it right with this Ecuador case where, I mean, the the sort of gruesome human toll in Mm -hmm. Ecuador has been Mm -hmm. extraordinarily sad. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you think about Correa's invective, he's, um, by the way, has been charged and should be in jail, but he's in exile with corruption kind of things. So he's speaking from exile Mm. in Europe. Um, In any case, um, so, but I think he's correct here. That right, like the sort of charge that Ecuador is like paying the IMF and not paying its like nurses in the public hospitals is bonkers. Yeah, it's bonkers. and I think that the sort of vulnerability of these regimes to a left, and I mean, here we're talking about in this moment of like so much populism, right? That the po- the possibilities of a populist left mm-hmm. um, coming in response to this is 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 certainly opening potentials for the left more broadly, and then also I think populists it just because it's so much of our moment right now. Um, I think there is right where that mm-hmm. we see this, and we see it already in the United States that this is affecting poor people. This is affecting communities of color, yeah, disproportionately in terms of not in terms of who gets the virus, right? We we know that that doesn't discriminate discriminate totally, but in terms of thinking about urban density and that kind of thing, these poor yeah. neighborhoods. I mean, if you guys took my comparative politics class and you looked at maps with me. <laughs> As, as I've started opened the hour with here, I'm a little obsessed with maps, but, you know, we can see that the poorer neighborhoods tend to be very dense. And as you get more wealth, you get these much more sort of uh, spacious, tree-lined, you know, kind mm-hmm. of streets. 
Um, so I guess the virus even discriminates a little bit in that regard, but certainly in terms of health outcomes, we're seeing already in the more developed countries or the, however we want to call it, the industrialized, advanced industrialized West, the North, the global North, um, that poor people and people of color are disproportionately dying. And I think as we get into the sort of poorer countries with lower state capacity, this is going to be, and with higher inequality, we're going to see this even more. Severely. Yeah. yeah. What's happening in Venezuela? Oh, I think it's going to be a real mess. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Maduro's still hanging in there. There's really no health system. Lots of people are saying that, like, embargo kinds of things need to be lifted because... Mm-hmm. Um, but we won't, right? I mean, like, no. even during, like... No, I mean, we like just charge just had, like, a town hall via zoom or something you know i don't know we were like gonna try and i don't know put out a 15 million dollar bounty i mean whether like some people are like this is gonna bring him down but you're like is it though i mean yeah so and no one can protest so this is actually fascinating so guido has been hampered in uh i think so yeah in a pretty serious way um but also there have been these massive protests in chile um, which we haven't talked about too much as a class, but um, I know it was important for those of you that were doing Chile and your OAS, representing Chile these, for the OAS. The, are these just continuing reverberations of the protests that were happening in the fall, right? Were yeah. In the fall? So, I mean, it never stopped basically until coronavirus. And there was this plan, right. as I mentioned earlier, about elections being suspended. There was supposed to be this constitutional referendum. and In Chile. This, in Chile, it was this huge thing. Um, but the other thing that's fascinating and it's thinking about politics on the right and the left and who benefits and this sort of sense that this is not something where like, Oh, the right wins or Oh, the left wins. Like I think in the overall reverberations, it's possible that the left in some of these places with foreign debt, if that's not, that's part of why the politics is getting so messy is because you don't know who's going to like, what is going to lose. Right. Right. I mean, like for right now, win and lose doesn't mean anything. But in six months, win and lose does mean does something. mean something. But we don't really know what, what? Yeah. it means. Yeah. So this is crazy. So Piñera, the president of Chile, um, had been facing these mass protests. There was like this really egregious repression against the protesters. The protests were um, primarily, initially anyway, led by students. They were student protests. You know, the the military was called out into the streets. They were, like, doing things, like, basically, like, um, taking out people's eyes. So, like, they were aiming for eyes, I guess. Like, it was, like, it was... What it do you was, mean? Taking out people's eyes? I think with rubber bullets, but... The police were shooting people in the face with rubber yeah, bullets? Yeah, yeah. So, like, many Chileans lost an eye in this repression. I mean, it's gnarly, right? Oh. Um... Anyway, so so the protests were big. Okay. They caused they they became student protests in Chile have been common over the last decade. Okay, so that's not new. Um, but this one, be, partly because of the repression, I think, really became a mass movement and a real call for like more broad uh, political reform, which is how this constitutional crisis kind of thing happened, where okay. they're going to do this reform and whatnot. Anyway, so Piñera. His use of the military and everything was like really, really. His his approval rating was at like nine percent. Okay, nine percent. That's really. Low. He 
has done amazing in his coronavirus response. Center right? Right, just right. Just far right. No, I mean, he's not right. populist. Not like, populist. So right kind of billionaire guy, but oh, okay. more, uh, but not like racist, xenophobic mm-hmm. appeals. Okay. Right, more like I'm a businessman. Fuck the poor. <laughs> well, but I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to. Fuck the poor. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to say it. I won't say it. Um, Did we mention so, we read the Financial Times? We re- <laughs> so anyway, so, he, so this is from the Financial Times. Approval ratings for the billionaire leader, who is widely seen as out of touch with ordinary people, have more than doubled from a low of 9% in February to 25%. The virus has also put an end to the mass demonstrations against inequality. Naturally. Naturally. uh, That threatened to topple Mr. Mr. Pinera's center-right government last year. I guess they call him center-right. For Pinera... (laughs) Yeah, the Financial Times calls him center-right. Yeah, they're like, whatever, that guy's on the center. That guy's not right enough. Uh, For Pinera, coronavirus has been a lifesaver. He was drowning and rescued by his worst enemy. Uh Uh-huh. Rescued said, by his worst enemy. What said, does that mean? Well, because his I mean, who wants to be res- rescued by your economy tanking and ah, the plague yes, gotcha, and like, gotcha, right? Gotcha. Said Patricio Navia, political scientist at the Diego Portales University in Santiago, who compares Mr. Pinera's relationship with Chilean since the protests erupted in October to a married couple about to get divorced. Um, it also, it's changed the I, the views of the military have like also kind of switched because the military the public- has... Public opinion public about opinion the military. Public opinion about the military, okay. yeah. Um, because it went from they were these, like, repressors, hmm. like, shooting s- innocent students to, like, now they're, like, keeping people social distancing and, like, yeah, suppressing. these crises like, do a lot. They do a they lot. They do a lot. These big things do. They're big. They're big. They're big. So, we're living through big things. Yeah. We're living through a big event. Yeah. I want you Biggest guys. Biggest event yet. I want you guys life. to like get in touch in ten years and tell me what you think of this whole period. I think this is bigger than nine eleven. I think it's bigger than nine eleven. I think it's bigger than nine eleven. And nine eleven was big. Nine eleven impacted the daily lives of people in New York City dramatically. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would guess. And then, I lived in Arkansas at the time. And affected the national conscious. Conscious, conscience, both consciousness and consciousness. Yeah, both, both, right? Both more like of everyone, but I think not in that such a direct way. What do you mean by direct? Well, not like this. Directly related to nine eleven. We were like, yeah, let's go to Abu Ghraib and torture those people. No, but not individual citizens. Yeah, Muslim Americans who faced yes. racism right all over the country and who were like spat on and like had death threats and like yes and the spitters and death threateners right right I guess they were part yeah they were directly directly engaging in that I anyway but but I think for most people I mean I was in Honduras when it happened mm-hmm. that was a weird spot to be in Jimenos. Um, yeah, you know, my neighbors came in and told me that the twins had died. They were the kids, not the grown-ups. And I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? And they were like, the twins, the twins have died. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then it wasn't until later that day that I realized what had happened. But all of our uh, 
military planes at the base in Honduras at our southern command uh, lifted off the ground. So all day there was just like American military jets flying flying through the air. It's pretty weird. And helicopters and mm-hmm. whatever. But I think this is more directly affecting each. I mean, you know, we can't leave our houses really. Yeah, it's big. It's a big thing. And I mean, I think it's that part that this, the last one that I just read sort of gestures toward is that like a lot of things are up for grabs, but no one really understands the terrain in part because we're so isolated and in part because it's just not at all clear how any of this shakes out. Yeah. I mean... I can't concentrate on anything. No, me neither. It's really tough. And some of it, yeah, I just can't concentrate on anything. Yeah. I'm going to admit to you guys, Latin America in the world here, that I'm going to spend as much of tomorrow with my kid baking and doing nice things after she spent all day in a rage and then spent a good 15 minutes crying at the end of the night. Yeah. It was not good. It's not good. It's hard. It's tough. Shit it's is tough. hard. It's tough. It's not at all natural. It's not at all easy. It's not. No. There's nothing nothing about this that is that we've prepared for. No. And it's depressing if you really think about it, right? It's easy it's too hard. to like, you know, you can, I think, kind of be flippant about it, but it's sucks and a lot of people are suffering in a lot of different ways and that's shitty yeah and we don't the uncertainty is also shitty is also it's a big it's a big uncertainty yeah sorry to be such a downer well I mean I was gonna try and not be so down here as we're kind of wrapping it up is that like I mean, uncertainty also has its own possibilities. Yeah, and its own benefits that, like, nothing is off the table. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nothing's off the table. Yeah, which is both scary and could be exciting. Yeah, I mean, we were just podcast about Marx earlier, I'm sure. Yeah. All of our subscribers and listen to it. Yeah, you can listen. If you're listening across class. There's a world to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. The world to win. Totally. Yeah. Anyway. You're going to make me that banana pudding tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, we could. I, I told someone we would make pen, uh, pumpkin bread. We well, will uh, make, make also banana pudding, banana too. pudding. You know, it's not mutually exclusive. Yeah, Joel's birthday happened over this. Uh, yeah. Over this period, and yeah. and we did n- nothing. Actually, it was really sad. It was You can send him a. If you know him, you can send him. It wasn't very. It was, I wasn't sad. You can send him a birthday. I mean, in the in this world, like. You got like, through another year. I got through another year, and whatever. You know what I'm saying? All right, guys, be safe. <laughs> Stay sane. Sweet Coming for Carry me home. Listen, what else? I looked for a yearning.
what did I, what did I see? Coming for the king. Yeah. <laughs> 